0: Hey, it's Lucas Grobot, and you may have noticed that yesterday, November the 3rd, 2019, I did not release an episode for the first time in 73 or four episodes straight. And actually, over the weekend, I had a few ideas of what I wanted to release on Sunday, but I remembered what I told you on the Thursday before the weekend, where I said that I'm taking the month of November to scale back, and to take time to refine the podcast. I believe that putting in the reps is good, but it's not enough. We have to then take another step back and look and evaluate the quality of the reps that we're taking and see how we can make improvements so that we can see exponential gains in whether it's our our work or our art we even working out. We have to evaluate the quality of those reps. And so that's what I've been doing or started to do for the month of November. And so I intentionally withheld one or two juicy podcasts, I believe. But don't worry, those will be coming in a more refined manner soon, I promise. But today what I have for you is a podcast that I recorded with Digital Who's from Let's Take This Online, a podcast here out of Dubai, UAE, uh, Digital Who's had me on his show. And it was actually a great conversation, which you're about to hear, mostly around education, what's it for, and who's it for. Uh, So stay tuned for that right now. I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: It's, hey, this is what it is. Yeah, Uh, for me, that makes my life significantly easier. Oh yeah, and uh, I think it lets me record at the vol at, at the
0: the mount I record at. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, the whole setup. It's a different, you know, it's a different proxy. It's a different. Um... But I think I think as I evolve,
1: I think things will evolve with it. I'm pretty sure. Like I'm think I think things are going to probably change up a bit. Right now, for example, everything's I'm evolving my like my learning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, guys. Uh, we're already live. <laughs> Whoa. Three, two, <laughs> one, one. And we're live, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Take This Along. Me Digital Hoos. You just got a little clip there of two uh, podcasters discussing uh, audio and, and and learning. I'm learning already I already learned a ton because I'm, I'm more of a noob than Lucas is. We have Lucas in the
0: house. Hey, guys. What's uh, up? Fellow podcasters. Gentlemen. How's, uh, what's your podcast called again? My podcast is called Own the Future, a podcast made for and by change makers. And then within that, I have a solo show called Weaver and Loom, which is yeah, just, that's the one, that's just me and you five days a week. But it started off as an interview show, and then I throw some solo ones in, and then I decided to, I don't know, I could have di- diluted my brand. Um, I looked at a lot of other, a lot of other podcasters do like your hero, Gary V. Yeah. And, uh, he has multiple shows underneath his personal brand. So I'm kind of moving in that direction where I have yeah. more of that personal brand. And underneath that, I'll have my main pillar show, which is own the future. Um, but then I just wanted to have more kind of one-on-one dialogues with okay. my audience. So I created uh, Weaver and Loom, which is a solo segment. But I'm really excited as I'm starting to move back into more interviews in the coming season after a hiatus.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I've always wanted to do. I think I, I want to move into more than one show. I really enjoy it. The solo. No, like I want to move into like actually maybe co-hosting a show with someone because I'm really enjoying the discourse.
0: Yeah, I think when you have a when you have a co-host. I think it it definitely changes that dynamic. I think you have to change kind of your pre-production strategy, Yeah. but it can also, if they're two great co-hosts, you can bounce off each other a little bit more and you can kind of have more of a, you don't need always to have a guest on the show Mm. to create kind of that conversation. hundred percent. I haven't done, I haven't done like co-host stuff. Okay. I haven't haven't, haven't
1: either. All my stuff has been guests, but how do you find the solo show? Um,
0: does that does that take more prep? You can't just wing it, can you? No, you can't wing it. I think. I mean, even when I so when I started, I would do interviews and then I do some solo. And at first, I'm like, okay, I'll I'll script the whole whole show. So I wrote everything out, and I would then read it. And uh, the feedback I got was there just wasn't that authentic, authenticity. There wasn't mm. that energy when you're reading. And that's the same thing. And you know, a lot of people will go in and they want to create a video and. like have their script memorized or they'll write it all out and they'll like read it off of a um let's close captions or like a screen yeah my english isn't here this morning (laughs) it's okay Um, morning but then the energy the the energy isn't there so what you want to do you Mm -hmm. want to have you want to internalize yeah and then have kind of bullet points to kind of remind and guide you so that's what i do so my pre-production now instead of writing everything out, which I did. And then I try like, okay, I'm going to wing it. And then I'm like winging it four or five times. And it's just I'm repeating myself. I'm like, okay, this isn't working. This is invaluable <laughs> content. So now what I do is, A bit of both? I'll take about 40 minutes to an hour. Okay. And I'll pre-produce. So I'll, I'll take my theme, my idea, my single thought, and I'll bullet point out what I want to say, the beginning, mm. the middle, the end, the okay. takeaway. And then I'll, take some time, internalize that, and then I'll do it in one take. Oh, you're doing one take. That's so true. I don't do any, I, sometimes I have to like do a like very minor post production, but f- for the most part, it's if I, I try to think of it. If I was standing up live in front of an audience, mm. what sort of energy am I going to bring to the table? I, get you. I can't, I can't mess up and be like, wait, wait, take that back. Uh, I'm going to and you know, so i I come as how am I if I'm presenting this in front of a live audience? Mm. How am I going to present it? That's so a good way to look at it. So it, it that's at least what I what I'm going for. I really love um, Seth Godin's podcast. You listen to yeah, Seth? yeah, I know Seth. I think it's I just love Seth. Um, so that's a lot where my inspiration okay. came from. Um, he's brilliant. He's awesome.
1: Mine comes from uh, Joe Rogan. You I like Joe. I, I like, like Joe, Joe too. Uh, all the comedians. For me, uh, I love every single one of them: Theo Vaughn, Chris D'Elia, um, Brian Callen, Brendan Schaub. I'm very obsessed with the comedy world over there in the states right now. Yeah, it's awesome. But Joe Joe's podcast is the one that really connected with me in like 2014. I'm like, this is fantastic. I love the free form discourse style.
0: Is that what kind of got you into it? With like <sighs> listening
1: you know, to Joe. I think I think originally I just wanted to create value for my industry. Mm-hmm. So I come from a media background and I realize there's no content, no audio content about it, especially when you go into digital. So I started off as an offline planner. Do you know much about media? Yeah. Right. Um, is your full-time job in media or is, or is your full-time job podcasting? Cause that's the dream.
0: Yeah. That's the dream. <laughs> that's awesome, man. No, so my full-time job is not podcasting. It's more, it's more in, media, but it's not on the side that you're on I believe. So continue
1: with your yeah. story. So then you get into offline planning. I moved to online. I realized you kind of have to learn everything yourself. You have to wing it. There's no like, like a guidance into, into what's it called, into, uh, into the digital world. And then I started looking for content. Like there's no content. There's no person out there who's actually putting up content about impressions and clicks and programmatic and, and, and media arbitrage and things that you, know, mm-hmm. you don't learn. So I started, so I created my, my podcast actually for that. Yeah. And
0: then You're doing a great job really sticking close to that content
1: stream. It's so that, that very different. So if you listen to the first one, there's like seven episodes out. That was just me monologuing. Yeah. Right. And then and it was me doing it off anchor with my Apple earphones. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Like even the audio quality wasn't that good. And then I come like, you know what? No more excuses. And I got budget equipment, which is still doing a good job. And, I, and I'm like, I so said, being a monologue was do a dialogue. Yeah. Right. And then, and then. That's where it started off with media marketing, but then not involved because I want to talk to people outside of that industry. Mm. So I have, I have had authors on, I've had Ryan Pyle, who's a, who's an adventurist, does BBC documentaries and rides his motorcycle through the Amazon. Yeah. So I'm trying to, I think I'm, I'm not going to just be media focused, but I think the overall theme will be marketing because no matter what you do in life, there's content. Totally. So even Ryan, totally. for example, he, he has a camera, he rides around the Amazon, that's content. Yeah. So then we, there's still a way you have to distribute that content, you have to market it. So that's yeah. the overall theme, but now I want to talk to everyone. I'm I mean, even, I've had some history historians on. I've, um, I'm looking to get some, maybe some archeologists on. I want, it's just cool. people I want to
0: talk to. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's, it's fully evolved. So, it's, 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 fully evolved. so it's, it's what got you into it was more that Joe Rogan yeah. and just seeing him model that you're like, wow, I can, yeah. I can do that.
1: But then I just, the first, because we were talking about this, how, how you kind of plan everything out and then, sorry, that reverb's driving me crazy. Anyway. Um, so you kind of plan everything, you, you do a little bit of, pl- so I started off first with scripting it the yeah. first few guests and then i'm like oh, the, first of all the pre-work and then they get very choosy oh, i don't like this and then like, you kind of have to yeah, deal no, you with that, that. You then I'm, like, I'm not gonna that. do that anymore no so no, then you can't do that so then i'm like okay what if i do bullet points right so i yeah. start doing bullet points for yeah. guests again i'm like i don't no, like that either can't so that. I'm, like, I'm not gonna do that either so i told him listen so if you, if you want it's not inter- it's not gonna be a it's not a it's not a radio interview there's not gonna be scripted answers we're gonna talk and we're go on tangents. And you've got to be cool with that.
0: Yeah. The only thing that you're, you're lucky is not live. <laughs> so, if <you> <laughs> so if you do something you're not used to, I'll cut it out. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, what I, because I do a lot of interviews, I, I really love, I'm really excited that I'm getting back into it. Um, I was traveling for a bit. Just had my fourth kid, my fourth son. Oh, wow. Congrats, um, just man. Just seven weeks ago. So, um, How old are you about to have four kids? I am 33. Oh, wow. That's really young. Four kids. You slow- four kids. That's awesome. Well, four boys. Oh, wow. Any um, twins or like four? No. Was, oh, wow. Six, four, 23 months, 22 months, and then seven weeks. That's cool, man. Good so, you, man. So there's, a, you know, stuff happening. So I the hadn't whole, been able the to. The whole family's based here? Yeah, we're there all here. And so moving back into it. But with, with that, what I would do, um, I would just, I would consume that person. So mm. I want to know, I want to, I, I don't always, I'm not always able to because sometimes there's mm. just not the content out there. I like to know the answer to a question before I ask it. Okay, Because if I can know the answer to the question before I ask it, okay. then it's like in chess. If you like, okay, I know if I move Place here, six moves ahead. they're going to, yeah, you mm. know a couple steps ahead. So you're like, okay, I know if I ask this, it's going to get on this topic. Mm. This is their POV. From that, I can ask more questions and start to drill down deeper to places that I actually haven't seen in their okay. content or on Fair their enough. interview. So I know I'll have like four or five kind of questions mm. that are in my back pocket that I'm normally I don't have like a sheet of paper in front of me. I might have some notes if I need to turn to them, but I'll have like four or five questions in my back pocket to say, okay, if you get stuck to an awkward point in the conversation, I have a question a and a theme that I want to move to based on what I've done in your research. Um, But what I don't do is what you made the mistake of doing early on learn from, um, either scripting or adding mm. like, like letting them know we're gonna talk about these mm. five things because then they you get those one word answers yeah you know their sentence oh. they ask the question and then they kind of look at you what's my next question nothing's
1: harder than a guest who does it like when you ask a question and they just answer one word and you have to drag it out of them that drives me crazy oh it's hard and you, and the thing is you is how, how much how, how much screen you, you can't do that much screening of your guests i can't sit like at first i started meeting every guest one on one they're like that's time i have to yeah. go meet them and that's gonna take that's gonna take time it's out time. Of by day. So yeah. now so now I'm like, I don't even do that. I do it through email, WhatsApp, LinkedIn. Yeah, You're going to come this day, we're going to talk. And then, but the, how much pre-screen can you do? I do check out their content. I do like to look at content and stuff, but it's so hard to actually do that full, how's this guy going to, how's this person,
0: guy or girl going to like react in the moment, or How you know what I mean? Yeah. It's really hard. It depends, for me, it depends on how much content they have out there. Mm. So if they have a, a good amount of content, I might spend up to 10 hours oh, wow. okay. in consuming them I mean that's what you know. Probably Joe, he probably spends ten hours per guest. Yeah, he has he has a ton. He, he 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 has he does a bit of both. So he he also likes to talk.
1: Like the second you sit down, he records. Yeah, but he'll do. But he said it once. For example, when it comes to like like I don't know, like he had Sir Roger Penrose and and people like Neil Grass Tyson who wrote books who have tons of content. He'll spend time reading those yes. books. But he'll have other guests where they just wing it. Yeah,
0: but also depends on the guest. Like it a comedian guest, like a
1: comedian friend or something like that. They're yeah. not going to do it anything. depends on the content that you're 100%. doing. So,
0: I like to know as much as I can because I'm looking to bring value 100%. to my audience. Mm. How am I going to bring value to my audience and to their audience if I'm just asking the same questions that they've been asked and they're just giving me the same rote answers, then one my my guest isn't going to feel, "Oh, wow, this is like you brought me to a place that I haven't been brought before Mm. and then the audience isn't gonna, their audience isn't going to be like, Oh wow, this is like a unique perspective. It's just gonna be like, Oh yeah, I've, I've heard him say that I've heard her say that before. Okay. Okay. So, so I, I like to know, but sometimes people just, they haven't been on a lot of shows. They they don't have a lot of content. They don't have a book. Mm. They, they aren't on podcast after podcast. So it just depends. Like, I'm going to be doing a, uh, an interview later on this week. She doesn't, she's done some interviews, but she doesn't have those to be able to give to me. So I'm like, okay, well Mm. I'm just going to consume what I can consume and more or less kind of wing it a little bit Mm -hmm. Um, like you, where you're finding those tangents, you're finding those interesting Mm. things that you can drill down into to explore and then extract value and frame it for your audience. Yeah. My whole show has just
1: become a, ta- I think just, I should call it tangent. It's just the whole show is a tangent <laughs> yeah, because that's awesome. I do, the thing is I have overall, people probably will realize this, so it's not like saying something new. Um, I have overall, I have an overall agenda for my personal brand. Yeah. What's your agenda? My, and my content. For example, I like to understand, for example, people's education because I find that standard education doesn't actually relate, translate to your actual job. So that for me becomes an overarching content game I'm trying to create. You know what I'm trying to say? You know how yeah, Gary yeah, Vee does yeah, an yeah, overall god. Exactly like Gary Vee does Cloud and Dirt. Mm-hmm. He, and that's something he instilled into his content for like for over years and years. For me, the education thing is very interesting. For me, empathy, self-awareness. These overarching themes are kind of Content. I'm gearing towards to yeah. in terms of written content, audio yeah. content, video content. So I think that's why I will I will always kind of ask those questions. So, for yeah. example, all all my inter- like I didn't ask you this one because we kind of just jumped into it. Is I like to know what people study. Yeah. Right.
0: So what do you say? So I love I love this question. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start somewhere else and then come and answer your question. So you said something that you you <clears throat> I want you to repeat it. You don't think that the education system. For, is from like ninety something that. percent of my guess is whatever they study is not what they ended up doing.
1: Yeah, right. Even for example, like me, people can hear I've done a lot of marketing. Even though yes, media is marketing kind of, but when I got into digital it was a new, it was like, I went to university all over again. Yes. For example, I had Natasha D'Souza on, who's a journalist today, but she said that something that's nothing to do with that. Like she never studied journalism, but she became a journalist. Yeah. So I have a lot of people like that. Yeah. And I think it's just interesting to see people's transition to where they are today. Yeah. And does, is that a reflection of our current education, traditional education system or does our education system has to evolve to fit the
0: changes in today's world? Yeah. So I love that. I love that thought and question. I I think, I think a lot about the education system. I have four boys. Yeah. So that's something very relatable to you. growing up in a fast-changing world, yeah. AI yeah. is about to replace hundreds of millions of jobs globally. 100%. It has already replaced millions of jobs globally, probably hundreds of millions. And so I think, okay, how do I prepare my boys for a completely unknown world? We don't mm. know what the world's going to look like in 20 no. years. So how do I set them up? So I think... To your point, when I think of my kids, I think, okay, what's, and this is very much a Seth Godin ism. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to <laughs> Seth, he talks all about this that the 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 current school system was set up for the Industrial Revolution. Yes. It was set up to teach compliance, to teach kids to sit down for eight hours a day, sit down, ask stand ask permission up, to, to ask questions. Right. Them the right boxes, answer the right questions, memorize mm. the right answers so that you can produce standardized compliance because that's what's needed. That is what was needed for the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, but that creates only workers. Right. was so so a the, bunch of workers. So that system served its purpose for the Industrial Revolution to put people into mm. factories, into compliant workers in yeah. factories who have the ability to work for 8 to 10 hours a day to do exactly what they're told as they were told not to think out of the box. But as Seth talks a lot about, we're no longer in the industrial revolution. No, we have machines that work in factories now. Yeah. We don't need people there. So, okay, so then what... You don't need worker bees. What is going to set yeah. my kids apart? Well, they and And what is the education system for? So one, I think education needs to develop the love of learning. Mm. If I can teach my kids to love learning and to learn how to learn, Right? Learning learn how, to how to learn. learn That's the skill. key. Learning how to learn. And to then leadership mm. that I think are we need to raise our children to be the next leader. So how how am I instilling leadership? What is leadership? What what does it mean? Like when when it's everyday life? When when my kids get in trouble, we sit down and we talk. And what's the the conversation? It's you are a leader. Mm. Arrow, my firstborn son. Arrow, you are a leader, Aiden. You are a leader. Mm. If you if you act like this as a leader, you're gonna get fired from your job. You're not gonna be happy. You're not gonna be happy. Yeah, that's the People thing. aren't gonna follow you. you know, yeah, So how how are you gonna position yourself so that you're successful as a leader? What are the things you need to do? So when I think about education, I think about okay, how can I teach my kids to love to learn? And how can I teach my kids To become leaders and what does leadership look like Mm. and how how can they become visionary people Mm. who can shape the world and inspire others to go in that direction that that they see the vision Mm. for the world that they have within them. So that then goes back to your question well before your question which was. Okay. Well, it seems like a lot of people are going through this education system. They're studying a certain field, and then they're going into a separate field. Yes. It's like, okay, well, is it broken? So, I I'll answer the question, and then I'll back up into it with a story. Which is, I think that the reason that I meant I was thinking about this on on today on the drive down here, I think a lot of the reason a lot of people do that is because. It's when we go through the education system, we're actually building a framework. Mm -hmm. And that, in some ways, okay, maybe the education system is broken. But in other ways, it's building a methodology and framework. So the person that goes in and studies finances, they study finance, right? They come out and they're like, heck no, I'm not doing finance ever. I'm going to become a photographer. Mm. You're like, well, see, they, they they didn't use what they learned, they went into photography. And I think actually what makes them a great photographer is that they studied finance. Okay. Because the way that new ideas are made is by taking two ideas, two methodologies and melding them together. That's how new things are made. New thoughts are made by taking two old, seemingly unrelated, disconnected ideas and say, wait a minute, this is unusual. If you draw the line like this, all of a sudden it connects and all of a sudden it works and you create a new expression, a new unique voice mm. in the world that causes you to stand out. Cause if you went to art school with everyone else, you're going to produce art like everyone else. Very true. But if you come into it with a different background, a different, uh, Different methodology of processing information, different framework in your Mm -hmm. mind, which I do believe the education system does create over a set of years and creates that framework that you're processing that information through is going to cause you to think creatively in a different way. And so to go back to finally answer your question, (laughs) um, I, you know, to your point, when I was in high school. They're like, okay, well, you're going into university. Here's this sheet of paper with 10-point (laughs) fonts and a bunch of tiny little boxes. What do you want to do for the rest of your life? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) I like physics. Oh, engineering, civil engineering. What's that? It's like... Concrete, I don't know. Check. <laughs> so I started off my major is actually civil
1: engineering. My first year was civil engineering. Before yeah. therefore I realized I'll never want to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Shift into marketing. But,
0: so like I, I, I went into civil engineering with like I didn't literally I did not know what it was. Yeah. And it got into it. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't think I want to like do that with my life. So I was changed to math. And now. <laughs> so I become a math major. Nice. I love mathematics. I've always loved math as a kid. But um, I there's a semester that in order to fulfill my general, my gen eds, um, I had to take two English classes. Now, growing up, when I was a kid growing up, I always loved math and I hated language arts or hated English. Um, we were
1: like pushed into that like by your parents for example like my dad was a, was a, is a was a physics major so i naturally loved physics and math mm.
0: no okay I, when me, my mom would put math books in front of me and i would i would constantly go to her like how do i multiply mm. how do i like how do i divide how do i do long division just as a kid just insatiable love for numbers and math like, at the age of five i'm understanding like international exchange rates and like wait a minute if i put my tooth underneath the pillow. In this country, I'm going to get a less exchange rate than if I save my tooth and it wait <laughs> six months So we're back in you know the States. Trying to game the tooth fairy. And I'm going to get like 30% more. I'm not stupid. So, I mean, I love that from a young age. <laughs> right. Um, but I hated English. and But then there's a couple events that happened in was my Was it life. the grammar? I think I think it was probably that it was grammar's that... grammar's annoying. Like, no, jars, like, no one likes grammar. grammar. Spelling. I'm still Ugh. not a good speller. Ever did, like, I, ever
1: did a spelling bee as a kid? Oh man! I think I did a few. It's painful. It's painful. <laughs> it's painful.
0: I'm, you know, I'm 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 not a great you know copy editor. Copy editors, for those who don't know, are the people that make sure that the periods are in the right space. Yeah. But I'm a great line editor, which is you know storytelling overall structure. Mm. So there's a couple moments in my life. That you know, I read a book and all of a sudden it just resonated. I read a story and it touched me. I remember me in in probably middle school or high school. I read this book, Carry On, Mister Bowden, Bowden, I think, Bowditch. I just wept reading this book, just weeping, just like res, like having that story touched my soul in such a deep place. And then in high school, I, I. I was watching this movie. I think it's Finding Forrester. That's a good movie. And it's That's a really good movie. Is that the one with the ch- the chess player? Or is that the one with the writer? The was? writer. Yeah. So I watched that movie. I remember. I remember watching it. I watched it by myself. I was watching it in high school. I watched it, and afterwards, I I remember being so inspired and so moved. I said, I want to be a writer. I hated like this is the person like would always say I hate English literature I hate this I want to be a writer and so I started started writing started kind of getting into that world I still wasn't like reading a lot and then in in high school I read Crime and Punishment mm, okay have you read Crime and Punishment yeah. the first hundred pages are death you're like oh, oh my it's goodness fa- it's it's, how a, do it's I, a very slow story get back how it's a very I, slow story I really do I really have to finish this book. <laughs> and the, the 120 pages in all of a sudden, like I couldn't put the book down and I, I still think it's one of the most amazing pieces of literature mm. ever written. And so I read that book and it started to cause me to fall in love mm. with story. It started me to fall in love with literature. And so then mm. in high school t- or university, I took these two courses. One was writing, one was intro to American lit. And, uh, with Michael McLean and he's an amazing teacher and I, I just fell in love mm. and I spent all my energy that semester focusing on literature and none of it on my mathematics. I'm like, wait a minute. I love this so much. Screw math. I'm going to become an English lit major. So now there's the argument of, mm. Oh, you're not using, you're not using what you're, you're not a, English professor, and you're not a math professor. True, but really, in in marketing, what is it? It's creative, and it's math. It's qualitative data for sure. and it's quantitative data. So, in very many ways, I'm using the methodologies that I learned in university for what I do now, mostly around that power of story of how do you connect with those people and. And I talk about this a lot on my, on my podcast, I think of how, how can we be true to our original design, Mm -hmm. right? Not true to yourself, but true to your original design. And, and I think there's a difference. And I, I think of our lives and how from a young age, you know, my, my dream as a kid was, I wanted to be an astronaut. Who lived on the moon? Who taught people <laughs> to farm and coached aliens? Like taught aliens to farm and coached aliens how to play baseball. And what's really, what's really, this like hit me this morning? <laughs> came coming full circle. My kids are in baseball this year, okay. and I'm actually now a Coacher? coach. Okay, cool. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. My my dream, like my weird, like this is what I want to do when I grow up as a kid, is come has come yeah. true. I live in a in a foreign land it sometimes looks like the moon sometimes yeah most of the time (laughs) if you you drive far enough, yeah (laughs) and and i'm teaching people to you know teaching people to farm marketing Mm. sales communication and i'm teaching people to play baseball there you go so (laughs) i but so i think our our purpose right in life which is very much tied to Mm. education is it's something that is placed in us and it's it's woven it's not like oh this is who i am this is what i want i'm still you know you asked me at 18 the counselor asked me at 18 what do you want to do check a box i still feel like if you ask me what do you want to do for the rest of your life i'm like i I don't know i'm i'm still exploring still trying to figure that out how do i how how has my previous story been woven, and how do I continue to tie those knots both in mm. in like what's my heritage, and what story am I leaving behind for future generations? Okay. Look, you made, you make a good point. For me, the problem with education was that,
1: I always think about it this way is, I'm gonna take the Arab world, because the Arab world obviously is you go into doctor, you're, you're either a doctor or an engineer or an architect, right? Usually. Yeah. Anyway, these are the main ones. Yeah. I started to think about is how many doctors would have made much better writers? How many engineers would have much made much better philosophers if they were allowed to follow that, right? Mm-hmm. Because we have a problem with the Arab world is we kind of don't want to disappoint our family, our extended family, our society. So even if you have a love for philosophy, you'll find, for example, this engineer who loves philosophy will never explore it, will never explore it because he's now in his bubble, he's in the engineering bubble and then he'll never be able to push out, right? I have done a lot of self-reflection, self-awareness since the age of 26 till today and I still do every day. And because of that, I, I was able to shift my career, my personal life, and my life got significantly better. Yeah. Now, how many people actually do that? Yeah. No, that, it's, that's it's, it's a question. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's, I, I think it's a small percentage. That is the question. Everyone kind of falls. I, I I studied math. I did engineering. I will always be an engineer. I will never explore anything else. Yeah. And now you get constrained. That's my problem. So, for example, if if university kind of allowed that person to go outside of that bubble or that... like. It's so it's so like telling someone it's okay to explore. Mm. I think you will get a lot of people who are, end up being a lot of different things, and their lives would maybe maybe better, maybe worse.
0: Yeah, and maybe that, and right. you know, maybe the education. I mean, for sure, the education system here is different. I yeah, know, very, for sure, you, it's very different in the states Europe and the depending the on what rest your grades are depends on. Yeah, you know, for sure. Well, this is your your grade bracket. You're going to become a doctor. This is your grade bracket. You're going to become, you know, whatever. So I know that that's very different. And so maybe, maybe, I mean, I'm, I'm not familiar with the education system here in the Phleag. No, neither am um, But I know, I I hear a lot of people kind of casting blame on the education system that, well, they never allowed me to explore. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, there are, there are electives, like, all through 100%. high school, all through, like universities force you to study outside sure. of your major. So I I'm not saying in a way that universities don't allow don't think you, it's can, there. I think I don't think we can blame I don't blame them. The universities. I don't blame them fully. I think, I, think it's,
1: it's, I think it's it's a it's, it's a whole thing. It's like it's a it's a cycle kind of thing, right? So like universities give you the choice. So you have all these electives
0: you can do. But then that person will never explore it out of many reasons. Yeah, and like you said, I think so what I think <coughs> I would be hesitant of casting blame on the education system but i think what you said is true it's not just here in the league in the arab gulf in the arab world about having that group think that mm. society like really in much stronger way than america in, in the west and um it is like this You people are worried about what other people think what other people expect That's them the to do and so they're looking at their peer group because, you know, who you hang out with influences who you 100%. become. You, they're looking at their parents, you know, what, how can I, what's my way in this world? So we're looking around at other people around us and we're like, well, this looks like it's my way and I'm going to, it's safe here. So I'm going to stay there. And I know you're in the Gulf. It, it's much, it's heightened, but it's also, I don't, again, cast any blame. I mean, 40 years ago, there was no education system so. here in the Gulf, right? There were no roads. There were no hospitals. Yeah. So, you know, Saudi Arabia was formed in 1932. Yeah. 80 years ago. 80. So. <laughs> That's <laughs> Saudi Arabia. Like, so you is much, much younger. So you think of like, okay, they take like, this region has taken leaps and bounds. For sure. Forward. Um. Yeah, it's just, I think it's just a highly complex yeah. situation I think, that yeah. you have to look at with a much higher resolution than 100%. just broad strokes. 100%. I think also our generation is very
1: different than the younger generation. So Gen X or, or Gen or Gen Y, right, as millennials, right? Because uh, we, we're millennials. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So that's Gen Y and before Gen Z. So I think our generation is kind of... It's the toughest one because we're in we're in between two worlds. Yeah. So you had baby boomers were in their world, and you have Gen X was in their world, like the like the maybe late 70s, early 80s kids. Then you have those mid-80s to, to early 90s kids. Yeah. The Gen Y, I think we had the, probably the toughest because especially especially when you come from Arab world, your your, your parents were, your society was telling you to do this, uh. but your gut feeling is evolving with the digital revolution and the, and the internet and everything, and you want to go a different direction, you're kind totally. of torn. Now Gen Z has a much easier, well, I would torn like to Torn culturally think, too, because yes. you have your 100%. split between two 100%. different cultural identities. 100%. And also, I, I, I also... I'll, I'll never forget this when I was, I was 18 and I had, and I was, I was waiting. It was all me. I will never forget it. it was, we were in, we were in Beirut all me and my friends we were like six, seven guys. We're all waiting for the results of our academic, like, cause we all submitted to, to go into university. And of course you have to go into AUB as Beirut, right? That's the yeah. university to go. To. Yeah. If you don't, you suck totally. as a person. So we're all waiting. And I was, and I was, remember I was sweating to the point of like, I was just sweating profusely almost to, to the point of tears. I was so, I was so worried that what if I don't get engineering? <laughs> I'll never forget it. And I wish I could go back in time and tell that kid, man, don't worry about it, right? For me, that's that's like, what if I don't? And you start thinking about, oh, my family's going to be disappointed. Society's not going to accept me. I'm not going to have a good job. I'm not going to get married. I'm gonna and you start, you know, your life is ruined. And I think, I think there's there's a problem there. And also, I also like to think about it is I think that people. Also, asking someone age of eighteen to choose what you want to want to work at when you don't when your brain's not fully developed till twenty six yeah was it sure. the frontal lobe or whatever it is um, yeah that, which is emotional intelligence and, and and sexuality and everything I think there's yeah. is, is a lot of important things so um, asking someone to do that before your brain is even matured that's a tough one too and that's what you see a lot of people like my a yeah. lot of my friends for example the late twenties they change significantly I change at twenty six yeah completely. And a lot of my friends are 26, 27, 28. You see people change significantly from previous. I'm like, oh, there's something there
0: that I think we need to look at. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I, I just like sitting on the other side of the table. I, I totally agree. There is something there that we need to look at. And there is this pressure. Where does it come from? Is it society? Is it, you know their family or is it just because they're 18 and they can't yeah. see past two weeks? Of course. Man. Right. You're so it's, 18. Like, it's like, okay. So the, you're so 18 you, you won't go out. So so you're be girls sweaty. Yeah. yeah you, 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 like, you think, Oh, she didn't look at me. My world. <laughs> you know, I don't We had text back then. She didn't, you know, aim me back. Email me back. Oh, I am me or whatever. I am me. Well, what was it? ICQ. Yeah. She didn't message me back right away. My world's like, you can't like, they you, like, you even like kids who are like twenty two, they can't see past three months. Like for oh sure. yeah, I'm really busy the next you know for a long time. Like oh cool, what do you do? like? I'm, yeah, I'm have this commitment, this internship for like three months. I'm like <laughs> I'm like cool, cool, <laughs> three months. But I was like that. Yeah, we're right? all like that. So part of it's like okay, but that's that's just being eighteen. So now with you know going up to you know clouds and dirt, right? Clouds, you like. Without a vision for your life, you shrivel up and die. So mm-hmm. for my kids, I ask them, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? Why? Do I think my kids can become an American Ninja Warrior? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I want them to have vision for drive and, sure. and passion to then put themselves into something so that they acquire frameworks they're acquiring disciplines they're mm. acquiring okay i need to work at this because work ethic and stuff like that. that's 100 yeah it's it's how do i okay how do you learn this how do you problem solve that's like the future belongs to those who solve problems for sure I so, agree. so and with having a vision at a young age whether it's six sixteen twenty six so I, th- I don't think there's something wrong with saying to an 18-year-old, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? Because they, we need a much larger vision to proxy our life to so that we're running towards something. If you say, hey, 18-year-old, figure out what you're going to do when you're 26. Just have a fun time through college. Well, what are you going to produce? You're going to produce people who haven't learned discipline, who haven't learned excellence, and you're only extending adolescence longer. And that is, you know, that is very much what. Uh, here we go. That is very much kind of like what the liberal uh, liberal ideology, especially in America, is working to doing. They are wor- the far left. Hmm? The far left. The far left yeah. is looking to extend adolescence. Get to their twenties. I'm completely into against their that. Their
1: thirties. Uh,
0: for sure. No one wants a 35 year old who still thinks he's 16. Except, except for the big government. Yeah. Because big government does. Because then they're relying sure. on that, and there's more power. So I think the the other that I like. I don't believe in balance. I believe in tension. Mm. I believe that truths are held in diametrical tension to one another. So I fully agree. It's like okay. I didn't know. You didn't know. No one yeah. knows what they want. I, I'm 33. I don't know what I want to be. Like if you
1: told about. me at 18, you, uh, at 31, you're going to be in digital media. You're going to have a podcast. Uh, you're going to be blah, blah, blah. I'll be like, that's not happening. you be like, what's the podcast? Yeah. What's the podcast? <laughs> that's not happening. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's, it's, it's really interesting. For me is I don't believe in extending adolescence. I think that that's horrible. I think
0: work and, ethic and, and, and that's f- why I think saying, what are you going to do? For, like mm. make a decision. Where are you going? As long as they know that they're not locked in, they can pivot. Yeah. But they need that vision. Yeah. They need that structure. That is what if okay, your son's 18 and he's,
1: he's a, he's an excellent gamer. He's one of the best. He's like that. I want to, I want to get into esports. I want to get into, into I want to get gaming full time. Will you send him to your traditional university or will you help him find his way into gaming? that that gets the question right because right now esports e- has 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 surpassed actual sports yeah esports uh, players get a t- almost as much as how uh, much now as sponsorships grow they're going to hit the lebron james level of hundreds of millions of dollars more people watch esports and actual sports part, uh, part besides the super bowl so so let's
0: so let's learn from the past yeah so okay let's say let's say it was 15 years ago he's an amazing basketball player yeah a mate incredible would I send him to university? Well, actually, probably yes, because the path to the NBA is normally through university. LeBron, did it, LeBron did it through him from high school. So I'm not a basketball player. I, I, I <laughs> but he's also don't ask me about sports. But, no, but, but, but about. LeBron's one of the few who
1: pivoted from high school to NBA. Right, Most go on, on, a, on a scholarship, they play basketball, they get scouted, and they go into the NBA.
0: And so after the NBA or the NFL or the NBL, what normally happens? They retire and then they mismanaged their money. They retired late 30s, early 40s. Mismanaged their money, so. and it's like, now what do I do? So Unless I, you're Shaq, he's killing the game. Shaq is. So, that's, <laughs> so why is Shaq killing the game? Well, he probably diversified, well, he, and he learned Well, At the age of 40-something,
1: I, I, I think he got a PhD. Oh, well, so there it is. But he got it like at that level or at that time yeah. after he i think because because he saw i think he saw all his friends what happened to him because a lot of you have, have alan iverson one of the greats yeah he's he's broke exactly he's broke but you have people like shaq i think who learned from that oh he said okay i need to go into education but he started going to late 30s early 40s and that's why he's i think he he's his portfolio is so diverse he's invested he's he's making bank he's, like he's killing the rapper game rapper too he's like i don't know what he's doing he, uh, he, i think i don't know if he still raps
0: it was good though. I don't know. I saw I saw a big host post a lot about about uh, Shaq recently. But so I think I I would say okay, you don't have to go to traditional university, but what you do have to do is continue to diversify and learn. You need to learn how to sell. You need mm. to learn how to communicate. You need to learn how to storytell. Need to learn okay. how to do sales and marketing. You know when, but where would they learn that? Where would you kind of
1: where would where would you go? Where would they go then? At age of eighteen, right? I
0: don't think you have to like. I think
1: would I you not let them go to university? YouTube.com. But then yeah, yeah, would you let them? Would you would you push them to explore
0: these pillars, or would you kind of go go to university and game at the same time? I it, it I would not necessarily say you must go to university. I think for some people, it's actually really great. Mostly because high school doesn't set people up with a disciplinary mindset and skills and drive to succeed in the world. University is doing that again, extending that adolescence. But if my 16 year old, 18 year old has the skill, the drive, the discipline, and he's crushing it at gaming, I think... I don't, I don't know, but I think I would open up the door to allow him mm. to say, okay, yeah, you don't have to go to university. You can go into gaming. You can do this as long as you're actually capitalizing on that. So for me, where, where I grew up, I, there wasn't, I couldn't get like a, a job. My dad was a, a pilot, mm. and we moved around a lot. And so it was at the age of 13, 14 that I started doing – email marketing. Mm. I I I started I found okay what is what is supply and demand? What's the demand in the market that's not there? Well, where we live, no one was like no store sold pita bread. So I'm like, okay, wait a minute. People want pita bread. There is no pita bread. I'm going to start a pita bread company, baking waking up at 5:30 in the morning, baking pita bread till noon, and the week before, I'm going to send out to the you know, the email list of everyone in this little city, Hey, I'm selling pita bread. Here's the cost. Place your orders. You'll get it delivered Saturday afternoon. Gotta go. It went great. Other people are working at their, you know, jobs, high school jobs, making yeah. 75 cents an hour. And I'm making like five, six, seven us dollars an hour versus 75 cents an hour. Mm-hmm. At you know, at 14, but did you have an intrinsically in you, or was that passed on? I think I think part of that was probably intrinsically in you. Part of in me. Part of that I think was passed on. But I think what I would do is I would pass that on. Like what I like my kids. They get Absolutely. an allowance, and I'm like, okay, here's you know this amount of money that you're getting. You're actually going to invest. So, how what product service are you going to provide? How are you going to mm. sell it? Where is your market? Who? What do people want that they need that you can then sell and multiply your money? In so, if my son's going into e gaming, I'm like, great. What's your product line? What's your website? What's your what's your email funnel? Like, how are you going to 100%. build? So I think that's where I would. I, I would think that's stay. super important. That's I probably do so the same thing can, with my kids. So they can exit e yes. gaming because I'm I'm assuming that the turnover in e gaming is very high. So because it, because it, when you hit like probably when you hit 25, there's a 15 year old who can
1: who can just kick your ass. Because there's a new game that came out, or they're just quicker, or they're just quicker, or you know, kids pick things on. Like I'm sure I can't play NBA 2K20 against any 15 year old he will he will demolish me. Exactly. I'll so that's
0: what, so I would look at that and say, okay, look, this is where your exit mm. is. How are you building a company now so that when you exit, you've actually grown in a specific skill set that you're actually then able to pivot into the next thing after your e gaming mm. career as Percent. the star is you know, over? I would do the same thing. For me, is here's here's
1: the problem, especially in the Arab world, right? There's a stigma for your kids to be working. Oh yeah, that's the problem. So I wish, honestly, I wish my dad never gave me allowance. I kind of went, you know, go work at McDonald's, Learn, earn your money. Yeah, I think that kind of thing I would have learned much earlier on. I learned it later on in life. Yeah, that drive, right? And I think that's something the Arab world needs to change the stigma because you, because you know why? Because pe- parents are worried about their third cousin talk to their second cousin, and be like, yeah. hey, have you heard of so and so's kid? I heard he's working at Burger King. Oh my God! They must not be doing well. That's of that fear of those people of, of of parents caring about that talk stops their kid of going to actually get into working life. So I never learned work ethic, and even when I went from university into 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 my first job, I, I you you leave university expecting the world to give you everything. I fell flat on my face and that was totally. the biggest lesson totally. I learned. that when I hit that rock bottom where I was broke, even though I had a good job, I was broke to the point is I had to like, like sneak water out of, out of work. Cause I couldn't afford water. My God, That's, that's sad. Yeah. I couldn't afford water. I mean, I'm living in Dubai too. I can't afford water. That's sad, man. So because wow. of that, that point in my life, I'm like, okay, I wish that point came much sooner. Yes. It, it came to me literally in my mid-20s. Imagine that. Yes. And then that's why from 26 to, thir- totally. to 31, I did a complete change in my life.
0: Totally. Because of that point. Yeah, that I agree. So, you know, the amount of allowance that... Are, I mean, they're six. They're, they're so yeah. young. They're not... It's like I... I want, the reason I'm giving them allowance is not because I want them to have handouts that have spending money. It's, I want to teach them to manage money and understand how to multiply money from a young age. So it's not, so my, my, yeah. my wife and I, we're not giving allowance like here, here's somebody to It's to like spend. starting capital. It's, yeah, it's literally, it's part of their education system. Mm. I'm, it's not like, here's some money, go have a fun time with your friends go buy some stuff, it's, this is your education process. Because what do you, what do you probably also hear when people are talking about education? Oh, the education system never taught you to balance a checkbook and how to manage our finances. Well, guess what? That's not the education system's responsibility. That's the parent's responsibility. Stop pointing blame to someone else when it's your parent's didn't, or you never took mm. the time to sit down and ask them or learn because you're 14 do you think education should
1: be t- should, I, I would I would love to see how education would, is going to tackle entrepreneurship I would love to see a four year entrepreneurship program at university where actually I tells that's, you
0: that's like counterintuitive do you think so? yeah
1: giving you the skills to be able to do those like for example, like teach you email marketing kind of thing. Like those kind of, like, what you know, oh, you're, you're
0: a digital marketer.
1: I, I have to learn it myself. Yeah. But if I learned it at 18,
0: I could have maybe done something yeah, but, with it, right? Yeah, but is a university going to be, the what mm-hmm. the, what they're te- they'd be teaching in a university, right, is like what worked 36 months ago. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't you much rather get a job in an agency? Oh, for sure. I think that would be, if, if you're wanting to go into that, it's like, go work with or for someone, mm. whether it's as an intern or at like minimum wage. That's what, that's what, yeah, it's for, when my kid comes up to me at 18 and goes, I want to become a music producer,
1: or, or or I don't know, or I want to do something that's not in traditional uh, i will be like, oh, cool, go find the guy, go find the top 20 guys, and be like, I will work for you for free. Yeah. And you know what, I'll pay, and I'll tell him, you know what, I'll, I'll tell him, I'll pay your rent, so you don't have to worry about it, I'll, but I want you to go learn for free.
0: Totally. Yeah, and do that for four entirely. years better than going and, you, and not. But if my kid is an excellent orator and they want to become a lawyer, go, so go to well, law of course. school. You they they there's some things you can't. There's you some can't. things you can't. Yeah. But there's some, like entrepreneurship, I mean, it's like, it's like so counterintuitive to say, you want to become a business owner? Great. Go to get a classical education. Mm. It's like, sure okay, if that kid needs work ethic and discipline, maybe that would work. If they're like Mm. wanting to become a writer as well, maybe that would work. I think, like you said, there are other avenues that you can, as a 16-year-old, 18-year-old, as a parent that's trying to, how do I shape and mold my kid in the right direction so they're successful later in life? I don't think traditional university is the only way. And also, as a parent, you can't expect university to teach your kid everything. You can't just right. be like, "I'm going to pay this uh, tuition," and they're going to be, all- and then it's you kind the of, of like detach, right? So I like to think about domains of society, mm. and I think, okay, what are the res- what's the responsibility of government right now? From whether it's my 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 people here, whether it's people in the West in Europe, everyone's pointing the finger and saying, "Oh, the government isn't." all oh, the it's like mm. that is not the government's responsibility. Yeah. And so the government's... Res- so what's the government's responsibility? What's the family responsibility? What is the education responsibility? And where does those domains and bounds of domains fall? And so I think you know, learning how to do finance, that, that should be taught in the home. Like yes. parents, you need to be teaching... Well, the education system doesn't teach you how to be empathetic. Well, I'm sorry. They're there to teach you to read and write. Mm. Your parents... Should be teaching you to be empathy. it's your parents' responsibility mm-hmm. to actually pour in to you as, ch- as to your children. If your parents don't have empathy, how are they supposed to teach it? That's the hard thing, right? And so, yeah, so that's so that is the hard thing. If your parents failed or are failing at their job, then you know that's you know you are starting off at a disadvantage. And my wife, in in many ways. her her, she would tell you that you know when she was growing up she wasn't told dream big Mm. take over the world it's hey you don't you don't like soccer anymore or you don't like this oh we'll we'll get out of the season early we won't finish it so she wasn't built in that wasn't built in to to follow through she was taught to quit she was Mm. taught don't dream big shoot small that way you won't be disappointed and she had to overcome that Mm in in her late 20s like you were saying but so it i don't think that it's a level playing field i don't think that's it's never, it's never, never level never. playing field so i think that's where you have to take personal
1: responsibility yeah, that, that's always been my thing i don't think anyone should have there's no i don't think any excuse for example i always take myself i if i could do something and i don't think i'm a special human being if i could do it then anyone can do it that's yeah. why i look at it hundred, I, I learned yeah. empathy i never i never learned empathy i learned empathy at the age of 26 27 and, and I still work on it today. School of
0: Hard Knocks, right? Yeah. You
1: you learned it through it. Yeah, so
0: I have to learn it. And because if I could learn it, that means anyone can learn it. And you know, if if someone's listening to this right now and you're whatever age and you're like, dang I don't have empathy. I never like you know what, they're actually professional therapists that can yeah. for sure. teach you empathy. And it's a hundred percent worth paying to go to a therapist to help you work through and sort through some of those issues. So I completely agree. I don't think anyone is stuck with it. I think we're
1: at the age now, especially if you're in your late 20s, early 30s, where now you have the self-awareness that you might have not had before. Hmm. Or maybe you're, if you don't have self-awareness, get self-aware. I think that's the probably the first step. You, yeah. have, to, you have to be very aware. And I didn't I didn't hit, didn't hit me till again, 26 was my pivotal time, but it came with self-awareness. You kind of have to accept the person you are and then kind of have to realize, okay, what can I do to improve myself? Yeah, you had to take action. Yeah, 100%. You have to take action. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, let's wrap this up this way. It's a totally tangent. Yeah, tangent. Yeah, total two podcasters tangent. talking about education. Yeah. There you guys go. Uh, we should do this again. This is good. We should definitely do it again. We're going to different tangents. Uh, well, I think I'll be on uh, your podcast next. We can go. We'll t- we we'll talk about not not education this time. Yeah, so... We'll go to a different one. This I one don't is, know. I love... I, I love this kind of topic. I love it. Yeah. I think this kind of discourse is needed in the, on the average... in the, every day because we have to evolve... I think like only evolved through conversations and discourse and action taken, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think it's it, it expands beyond like even though we're talking specifically about education, it expands beyond that into you have to take responsibility and realizing that you can't blame some other system. You you are you a powerful agent of change in your life, for yeah. your world, and for your children, for your kids. 100%. And so we have a responsibility. I think yeah,
1: accountability is something that we all need to take, and we can't shy away from accountability. And sadly, I think in our culture, I think there's we have an issue with accountability. I think, and I think we all have to accept that, and we kind of have to start, you know, changing things. it's Not fun. No, it's not fun. It's It's not fun, man. It's not fun. But I think I'm I'm slowly getting
0: to the point is where I'm trying to be as accountable as I can about everything. It just makes my life easier. It's it's you know, it's like working out. It sucks while you're doing it, but you love the reward. So So accountability sucks while you're. Someone's like holding you up to a standard, but down the line, you're like, wow, I'm a better person. I kind of, of enjoy actually being accountable because
1: I feel that because I'm accountable, I can take control of it. It's no longer out of my grasp. Totally. And if I can take control of it, then there's something I could do to change it's it. Taking responsibility if I say someone else's fault, and you're a victim. Yeah, exactly. If someone else's fault, then you're victim. a victim. I hate victimhood. It Vic- drives yeah. me crazy, man. Oh, it drives me absolutely crazy, victimhood. I just can't take it. We can go another hour on
0: that. We can right do a whole hour on on victimhood,
1: <laughs> but maybe another time. Wow, well, anyway, guys,
0: uh, thanks for listening. Where can everyone so you, find you? You can find me at Lucas S K Lucas L U C A S Scrobot S K R O B O T Lucas Scrobot and Own the Future podcast you also have a book out i have a book out anchor the discipline wait, wait, wait. to stop drifting yeah my book is out please super cool cover guys thread uh with an uh, anchor with an anchor i love the cover anchor the discipline is i i wrote it actually at 28 29 as Very a manifesto cool. to my 22 23 25 cool. year old self because i had all these weird kind of algorithms of how what i thought success yeah. how to get there and it's i had that breaking point around that same time 28 yeah. And I I had to go back and rethink. And so I wrote it as a manifesto to myself. And it's highly actionable, short. You know, most people don't finish. 3% of people finish books that are like 300 pages long. Really? But 60% finish books that are 100 pages or less. So I intentionally wrote the book to 100 pages pages or less. And uh, so if you are in that 22 to 26... I Highly recommend it, it yeah. will change your life, guys. Reach out to him, he's awesome. Um, his podcast is super cool. Definitely check it out.
1: Uh, it's all in the show notes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, all in the description, guys. Check it out. Uh, for the podcast, find us everywhere. We're on Rami as well. Uh, for me, Digital Who's on Instagram, Twitter, and find me on LinkedIn. I'm super active on there. All the links will be there, guys. So, uh, this is Let's Take
0: This Online, and we're out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Digital Who's. Please go and check out his content, his podcast. And as always, share this with a friend. Finally, remember, my book, Anchored, The Discipline to Stop Drifting, is out. And if you have been listening to and enjoying this podcast, Own the Future, Weaver and Loom, with yours truly, Lucas Robot, then I promise you, you will love the book. And as I said, I'm taking a little hiatus over the month of November to refine my work. And one of the things that I am doing this month is recording the audiobook. So if you're listening to this, you probably like to listen to audio. The audiobook is coming out soon. So be looking for that come the beginning of December. Remember, I'm Lucas Scrobot, You're a change maker. And if you own your story, you will own the future.